Pentecost, which is today, is, um, means 50. The word, it means 50, okay? 50, uh, it's also, the red is for the fire of the Holy Spirit. The white is for the purity of the Holy Spirit. And um, I would like you, please, take the balloons with you. If you've got kids here, take some balloons home. Let them play with them at home so that we don't have any left here to take care of when we're done. All over the world, they celebrate Pentecost. In Italy, they, they scatter rose petals all over the place. And, um, I was going to put rose petals up on the fans and then turn them on in the middle of the service and have rose petals come out all over you all. <laughs> and then I saw rose petals all over the floor that needed to be swept up. <laughs> so I ditched that idea. <laughs> trumpets in France, they blow trumpets. And if I'd known who blew a trumpet, I'd have asked them to come and blow a trumpet for me. Oh, yes, Eric can blow a trumpet. And um, all, all over Europe, all, they have flowers. So we got some flowers. They have wreaths on their doors, and they have food. And they celebrate with eating and, you know, fa- feasting. So feast together. Would you, when you go home tomorrow, invite a friend over, have a feast, and celebrate the first fruits. I'm like, I'm going to pray. Holy Spirit, on this day we ask, as we celebrate your part in the salvation of mankind, as we illuminate your coming, and empowering us to follow God and know his love, I ask for an outpouring of yourself. We need you as never before. We're lost without you, and we're at risk of just being a social club. If you would draw yourself from our presence, oh God. So lead me today. Lead us, lead our hearts to hear, to receive, in Jesus' name. My question was, how important is this coming of the Holy Spirit? this explosion into the human experience. One commentary that I read said, the 50 days from Easter were the most important 50 days ending in Pentecost in the history since Yahweh God closed the Garden of Eden to mankind. Wow. That's a long time. The most important. I'm not sure that he's not true. That's not true. I think that could very well be the truth. I'd like you to open your Bible, and if you do not have one, please, there are Bibles over here that are there for you to use during the service or for you to take home if you do not have one. There's a big, the big reason why I want you to open your Bible and to use a Bible instead of having the words up here is because this is one of the major works of the Holy Spirit, and we're celebrating his coming to us and giving us this today. He is the author of this book. He, Jesus said, and he, the Holy Spirit, when he comes, will bring to your mind everything I said. If you consider the prayer in the garden, Jesus praying to the Father that we would be one as they are one, there was no one around. The Holy Spirit gave that to the, to the disciples so that they would write it down, that we would have it. This, this is his. He is the author of this book. I can't stress it enough. You should know your way around in it. You know, my, I have a brother-in-law who, when he went through some serious turmoil, he took it and slept with it. Oh, God, I need you so much. I need to know what to do. I need every day. I don't know what to do. I need you. And he would sleep with it under his pillow or next to him because he was in such turmoil. The answers for your life are in here. The, the, he is able to speak to you a rhema word right now also, but this is a valuable, so valuable to you. People died for us to have this. We're, we're burned at the stakes. We could have this. So let's turn to the beginning. Not going to be hard to find. We're in Genesis 1, 1 and 2. I want to talk about 
the presence of the Holy Spirit, he's been around for a long time. So we've got to figure out why are we celebrating now. Genesis 1.1 says, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and void, and darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was moving over the surface of the waters. So he was there. And then just a little further down in verse 26, he says, Then God said, this is after creating everything else, then God said, Let us make man in our image, according to our likeness, and let them rule over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the sky and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. And God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him, male and female, he created them. So we have the spirit there in the beginning. One of my favorite verses in the Old Testament that speaks of the presence of the Holy Spirit is in Judges 6.34. It says, but the spirit of the Lord clothed Gideon, and he sounded a trumpet. And the Abizarites were called out to follow him. The Amplified Bible says, the Holy Spirit clothed himself with Gideon. That's a little different, huh? Gideon was the smallest and the weakest of his whole family, the least of his clan, but clothed with the Holy Spirit, he did mighty, mighty things for God. He led them into battle. He tore down the Ashtira poles where they were worshiping false gods because of the Holy Spirit. Speaking of Aaron, Moses' brother, in Exodus 31, 3 through 5, it says, And I have filled him with the Spirit of God, with ability and intelligence, with knowledge and all craftsmanship, to devise artistic designs, to work in gold and bronze, in cutting stones for setting, in carving wood, to work in every craft. Where's Bart? That's a gift from God, what you do. That's by the Holy Spirit. He gives us far more than just what we think of the 27 gifts that are mentioned in the, in the New Testament. He's creator God, and he, we're made in his image, and he wants you to use that creativity in your life. In the New Testament, we have the Holy Spirit also before Pentecost. To Mary, in Luke one thirty-five, the angel says, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you like a shining cloud. And so the holy, pure, sinless thing, the offspring which shall be born to you will be called the Son of God. And later, in a few verses later, it says, And it occurred that when Mary, Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leapt in her womb, and Elizabeth, Elizabeth was filled with and controlled by the Holy Spirit. In Matthew 12, 28, this is Jesus speaking. He says, But if by the Spirit of God, but if it is by the Spirit of God that I cast out demons, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. Very interesting. We're going to talk about that kingdom of God coming upon you. So what is this all about then? If the Holy Spirit was there, then why are we celebrating this magnificent thing today? I'd like to show you a timeline, if um, Casey would put that timeline up. There we go. I think it helps us to see what, what's really happening, the resurrection happened, and then Jesus appeared to the disciples for 40 days. He appeared to 500 people. That's what they can garner out of the scriptures. 
for 40 days, and then he ascended into heaven. And for 10 days, the disciples, he said, go and wait for me, and I will come. I will send, I will not leave you, I will send the helper. And they waited in Jerusalem till the day of the pouring out of the Holy Spirit, and that was the birthday of the church. The reason I, I wanted to show you the timeline is because the Jews were familiar with this timeline. For them, at the point of resurrection is Passover, when they were rescued out of, out of the bondage of slavery in Egypt. The, the ascension, the, the Pentecost is um, 50 days later after that, they were given... They were given the Ten Commandments on Mount Sinai in smoke and fire. They were given the weight that they were going to live. And they were going to be called, they were going to be set apart as the people of God. Two amazing things happened with Pentecost. One of them is that Jesus died and rose from the dead and set us free from bondage of sin with earthquakes, darkness at noonday, Graves opening, tremendous upheaval happened when Jesus rose from the dead. And 50 days later, with tongues of fire, just imagine, look around. Can you imagine if there was a tongue of fire on every head in this room? I wish there was. It'd be awesome. I wouldn't be up here. And a mighty rushing wind. The Holy Spirit came to empower us by by his presence in us, to live as the people of God. Ten Commandments and the law came to, to set them apart as the people of God. It didn't work. It was not enough. They were not able to live to the fullness that God had for them to do. One of the things that did not happen was that God really didn't want to stay just with the, with the Israelis. He wanted to go into the whole world, and he was going to use them. Now, with the church, his, the potential for that is much greater. You know, that's a pretty radical thing. I want to read you one, some of my notes I, I took. Um, in Judaism, the face of the Jews, heaven and earth overlapped in the temple. That's why they were always there. They came there to worship God. But now, says Luke, Jesus is the one who has taken earth in his own person, in his own human body, right into heaven. And the spirit is the result of that. It's the corollary. It came after that. And the spirit brought the life of heaven to be manifest in us as the kingdom of God. Heaven and earth are locked together, interlocked together now. Okay. Unbreakable embrace of God. The human son who is human. He's not the spiritual son anymore. The human son is in heaven. Seated at the right hand of God. Lord of the whole world. And he pours out his spirit on Jesus' followers. So that they can both be and accomplish the new creation in themselves and all the world. That understand? Can you understand that? I I'd like to see some pictures of the temple, Casey, if you could put them up. It's, it's a pretty amazing thing. We've got to get a handle on it. The ascension of Christ brought down the pour, outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Okay? 
we got some pictures of the temple. It's a pretty magnificent temple. And they were always there. Everybody from any Jewish person from all of them would come and worship in the temple. And way on the inside was, you know, the Holy of Holies. And at night when, when the, the sun was setting, it, would, it sparkled like gold. It looks like gold there even as you're looking at it. And down in the middle in the Holy of Holies, you know, the, the cloud of the presence of God would rise up. It was central to the Jews. And something has happened. Something has happened that's pretty radical. Now, with the coming of the Holy Spirit, this temple is going to change. It's no longer going to be. Even even when Jesus rose from the dead, something had happened. It was earth-shattering for them. There had been an earthquake. The doors of the temple would not shut anymore. The curtain, which separated humans from the presence of God, and only the priest could go in there once a year, 18 inches thick, 35 feet high, was torn in half from the top to the bottom. That's pretty earth-shattering, I think. But they were still there. The Jews still stayed there. They were there for 50 days. And they, I don't know what they were doing or what they were thinking. They must have just been totally bewildered at what was going on. We are now that temple. Can you imagine? We are that temple. What an amazing privilege to be the temple of the Holy Spirit. Jesus told them in advance that this was going to happen. He said, I, in uh, John 16, 7, he says, However, I am telling you nothing but the truth when I say it is profitable, it's good, it's expedient, it's advantageous for you that I go away. How can that be the most important person ever born on the face of the earth? It's, more, it's important for him to go. Because if I do not go away, the comforter will not come to you. But if I go away, I will send him to you. In John 14, 16 through 19, he says, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. Even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. Bingo. Jesus told them this was going to happen. I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you. Yet in a little while, the world will see me no more, but you will see me because I live, you will live also. He is still alive. The human Jesus is still alive. Wrap your head around that. Now the whole world has access to the mighty and the awesome God, no longer the, just the God of the Hebrew nation, but they were the ones who grabbed a hold of this. And quite frankly, they had a choice to make. Either these men and that Jesus were blaspheming God and they needed to be killed and wiped off the face of the earth, or we better join with them and we're going to miss God. And that's essentially what the, the decision was. Some joined and became the first disciples, and some made sure he got hung on the cross, and the rest of them went after them and killed them. Paul, St. Paul being one of them, he thought he was doing God a favor. So we're going to open the Bible again, if we could, please. We're going to read in the book of Acts. We're going to read Acts, the second chapter. 
and it's a lot of reading, but I think since this, this is really where the birth of the church comes from, I'm going to read the whole part. I'm not reading the whole chapter. It's a pretty long chapter. Are we there? Second chapter of Acts. It's kind of in the last fourth or fifth of the Bible. <laughs> that helps you at all. Second chapter of Acts. It goes Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, then Acts. It's the very next one after the four Gospels. It's really the Acts of the Holy Spirit. That's what it's about. Acts 2, starting in verse 1. When the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place, and suddenly there came from heaven a noise like a violent rushing wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. And there appeared to them tongues as of fire, distributing themselves, and they rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues, which is the same word as language, as the Spirit was giving them utterance. Now there were Jews living in Jerusalem, devout men from every nation under heaven. And when this sound occurred, the crowd came together and were bewildered, because each one of them was hearing them speak in their own language. They were amazed and astonished, saying, Why, why are, are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we each hear them in our own language to which we were born? Parthians and Medes, Elamites and the residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phygia, Pamphylia, Egypt and the districts of Libya around Cyrene, and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs, we hear them in our own tongues speaking of the mighty works of God. And they all continued in amazement and great perplexity, saying to one another, what does this mean? But others were mocking and saying, they are full of sweet wine. But Peter, taking his stand with the eleven, raised his voice and declared to them, men of Judea and all you who live in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and give heed to my words. For these men are not drunk as you suppose, for it is only the third hour of the day. But this is what was spoken of through the prophet Joel. And it shall be in the last days, God says, that I will pour forth of my spirit on all mankind. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. Even upon my bond slaves, both men and women, I will in those days pour forth of my spirit, and they shall prophesy. And I will grant wonders in the sky above and signs in the earth below. Blood and fire and vapors of smoke the sun will be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the great and glorious day of the Lord shall come. And it shall be that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Men of Israel, listen to these words. People of Laconia and Guilford and wherever you're from, listen to these words. Jesus the Nazarene, a man attested to you by God with miracles and wonders, signs which God performed through him in your midst, just as you yourselves know, this man, delivered over by the predetermined plan and foreknowledge of God, you nailed to a cross by the hands of godless men and put him to death. But God raised him up again, putting an end to the agony of death, since it was impossible for him to be held in its power. I'm going to skip down to 29. Brethren, 
I may confidently say to you regarding the patriarch David that he both died and was buried, and his tomb is with us to this day. And so, because he was a prophet and knew that God had sworn to him with an oath to seat one of his descendants on the throne, he looked ahead and spoke of the resurrection of the Christ, that he was neither abandoned to Hades, nor did his flesh suffer decay. This Jesus God raised up again, to which we are all witnesses. Therefore, having been exalted to the right hand of God, and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he has poured forth this which you both see and hear. For it was not David who ascended into heaven, but he himself says, The Lord said to my Lord, Set at my right hand, until I make your enemies a footstool at your feet. Therefore, let all the house of Israel know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. Now, when they heard this, they were pierced in their hearts and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brethren, what shall we do? Peter said to them, Repent, and each of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you and your children and for all of you who are far off. That's us. A far off meaning in the future, not far away in America. As many as the Lord our God will call to himself. I think he's called us. And with many other words, he solemnly testified and kept on exhorting them, saying, Be saved from this perverse generation. Are we living in a perverse generation? We need to be saved from that perverse generation. So then, those that received these words were baptized, and that day there were added about 3,000 souls. Jewish souls. Right out of the middle of Judaism, right out of that conglomeration of people who had seen what happened in the temple, who saw what happened when Jesus rose from the dead with the earthquake, bodies being raised up out of the dead. An awesome spectacle, a radical thing had happened. Oswald Chambers says it this way, it is not the baptism of the Holy Spirit that changes people. It is the power of the ascended Christ coming into our lives through the Holy Spirit. Not an experience apart from Jesus Christ. He, the Holy Spirit, is evidence of the ascended Christ. So why are we celebrating? This is what makes the coming of the Spirit on Pentecost worthy of celebration. That Christ has ascended, and so the Holy Spirit can come. The living Christ has ascended, making the way for you and me. We will have the same body he has We will be there with him. The world has never been the same. The new Christians, the former Jews, turned the world upside down, and because they did not love their lives unto death, they were crucified, sawn asunder, burned at the stake, persecuted, and thrown to the lions. Because of that, there are now two billion Christians in the world today. Okay, maybe that was last week. Maybe there's a few more now. I don't know. Two billion people more than all those that have already come to Christ since then who are now part of the kingdom of God, living for Christ. And all that is because the kingdom of God came to the followers of Jesus 2,000 years ago today. Of the people on the earth, this is very interesting, that 
worship any kind of God at all right now, 33% are Christians. The largest number of worshiping believers on the planet are Christians. That's pretty remarkable. The next highest, that's 33%. 22% are Muslims. And um, I think it's like 14% are Hindus, and then there's all the rest. I just think that uh, that leaves about 5 billion people, since it's just recently turned over 7 billion people in, on the planet. That leaves 5 billion people to hear the gospel. N.T. Wright says, On the day of Pentecost, Peter's sermon isn't about how people can have a new spiritual experience. It's about the fact that God's new day has dawned at last. The great and glorious day of the Lord spoken by the prophets and about the fact that the crucified Jesus has been exalted as king and Lord over Israel and the whole world. And the sevenfold gifts of the Spirit are given not just to comfort me and you, inspire me, enlighten me and you for our own private belief, but sent as heralds of this new dawn as messengers of the new kingdom of God. It's about an outward thrust because of this inward work that God is doing us. We can't do it any other way. You know, those 3,000 Jews were there, that were there at Pentecost were there by divine appointment. It says, them that were appointed came. They were primed by their circumstances and their devotion to God. They were faithful to him. They knew what the prophets had been talking about. They'd been reading for centuries about what the prophets were talking about. They had a sense about, and were constantly waiting for this to happen. And like I said, you know, they had to make a choice. Either we're going to kill those guys for doing this, or we're going to join them. And 3,000 that day joined them. We're faced with the same kind of challenge, I think. Jesus is going to come back. That's what he said, I'll be back. Will we be filled with the Spirit, empowered by his indwelling presence, living a life pleasing to God, ready for his return, or will we be caught up in the things of this world, empty of God, and miss him when he comes? Those, there were 3,000 that came to him. There were probably, you know, 700,000 who didn't come to him. They missed him. They missed his coming. We have a decision to make also. I know that when we, you think of the fact that, you know, you know Jesus, you accepted Jesus. When I knew Jesus growing up, I was brought up a Catholic. I knew about Jesus, uh, and I loved him. And people would say, you need to be born again. And I would say, I must be born again then. I've known him forever. I did not understand. But in Acts 19, um, Paul was speaking to the Christians in Corinth, and he said, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And he said, and they said, no, we did not even know there was a Holy Spirit. So they were believers, but they didn't know there was a Holy Spirit who would come. And then again in Acts 18, it says, Now when the apostles in Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent them Peter and John, who came down and prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. For he had not yet fallen on them, on them, but they had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And so they came and they laid hands on him and they received the Spirit. That same Spirit is here today. And he wants to come and to be with you and to be in you. He wants to lead you into all truth 
so you can experience and manifest the king and his kingdom here and now while you're on earth. Are you ready? Would you, would you like to have the power of God? That is what drew me to Christ. I, I knew him, but I had no power in my life, no power over sin, no power to not do the things that I was trying not to do. And he came. And he didn't, you know, when I call, cried out and asked him to come, I was by myself. It took three days. And one day, that day, third day, I, I just felt like somebody tapped me on the head. And I just became filled. I fell on the floor. I was laughing and crying at the same time. Because what I had asked for had come. It's different. He's got something different, something beyond believing in Jesus, this empowering of the Holy Spirit. I'd like you all to stand, if you would. And I'd like the um, elders and the pastors that I've asked to come down, Tim, and to come down. And we're going gonna, we're gonna to pray for the Holy Spirit to come. And I'd also like, if any of you would like to have hands laid on you for the for the, the, the impartation of the Holy Spirit, to, to know what the gifts of the Spirit are in your life, I invite you to come down also and get prayer from, from these that are here up front. I, I'd like you to say this with me together. Um, come, Holy Spirit. So one, two, three, let's just say, come, Holy Spirit. Come now, Holy Spirit. Come, dwell in us, be in us. Be who you came to be, oh God, the one who empowers us to know you, to follow you, to be your disciples on this planet, oh God. Come, Holy Spirit, now. We invite you. Come, Holy Spirit. We love you, Father God. What a great plan you had for us. What a great plan that you would send yourself down in the Holy Spirit that we might be with you always. That you would give us what we need to follow and love you and know you. We welcome you here in this place in our hearts today. Thank you so much. Thank you for coming. Thank you for coming, Holy Spirit.